This is a conversation with Raja Selvan. Hi, Raja. Hello, Serge. So, Raja, you have developed an approach called ISP. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I would be glad to, Serge. Um, ISP uh, stands for Integral Somatic Psychotherapy, and uh, and what it is about, I can uh, say briefly. Um, you know, I've been teaching uh, for a long time. Um, you know, body-based approaches to psychological work. Uh, that is, to how to make psychological work more effective and efficient by bringing in the body and its awareness more um, than it is um, uh, uh, usual in, in, in mainstream Western psychology. And um, um, through my experience uh, of working with people and teaching uh, a large number of trainings in many, many countries, um, I come to uh, a place where I realize that it is not enough to just um, address the physical body, um, the only body that science recognizes as the source of experience. Um, uh, it's also important to um, uh, address the uh, quantum body or uh, what cannot be measured uh, by science in, in, in a comparable way to quantum uh, in a, um, uh, particles in quantum physics. Now, this body is called the subtle body in the East, and I'm also trained in Eastern psychology, and, and I find parallels in quantum physics, and therefore I have been using, uh, uh, you know, I've been bringing that into the, uh, into the approach as well, and uh, I find more effectiveness when these two bodies are addressed simultaneously as a combined source of all of our experiences, thinking, feeling, remembering, you know, um, acting and, 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 and connecting and relating and so on. So, um, and in addition, um, once we go that far, it is also important to bring in the dimension of consciousness. Um, in Western psychology, there are several approaches that bring the body in. There are some approaches that bring energy in, such as uh, the approach of thought field therapy, which is meridian-based, and there are other approaches that bring consciousness in. Uh, almost all the mindfulness approaches bring consciousness in. So I thought that it, it would be um, better to bring all three in and find simple ways to teach clinicians in different orientations so that they can bring these three dimensions into their own practice without having to change the theoretical basis that they come from in order to do the work. For example, so yeah, Raja, let, me, let, me, let me maybe interrupt you for a moment because there's a lot in there. And so, yes. um, so we're talking about, you know, just integrating, paying attention to the body as a, as a gateway to, to, to dealing with psychological phenomena. Uh, we're de- talking about consciousness, but specifically when you were talking about the body, you make a distinction between the subtle body, the quantum body versus the, uh, body in everyday experience. So maybe can we stay with that a little bit more about this subtle body, this quantum body? Yes. Um, you know, the, the, in Eastern psychology, um, it is not just the physical body alone that uh, contributes to experience. There is also the subtle body. Uh, and um, and, and, and uh, the subtle bodies also believe 
to go from one life to the next. And whether it does that or not, it's a moot, moot point. Nobody can really prove it to be true or not true. Uh, the question is, can it be brought into one's awareness and be used? And that's what uh, many um, energy psychologists do. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the question is, what is a subtle body? Uh, it's, is it uh, an, a body of matter? Of course it's a body of matter. Everything is matter. So it's, it's a subtle matter, so that's comparable to the quantum phenomena in quantum physics. And, um, uh, you know, when people in the East talk about chakras and elements, they're really talking about uh, their intuitive understanding uh, or their awareness of the body on the quantum level. And um, whether it's a different body or the same body is not uh, particularly um, enough importance. As long as we can also observe the phenomenon, um, you know, through awareness and see what role it plays in, in making our, the work that we do better. Yeah, so what we're talking about then is not having a debate on, uh, you know, theoretical existence or not of the, this quantum body, this subtle body, but you're talking about um, having the experience, the awareness of it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that is easier then, then uh, you know, establish the finality of the truth of it or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for example, for example, we find that when people are not able to physically uh, be aware of the lower part of their leg, from the knee down, yeah, mm-hmm. when they're not able to do that, they're not able to deepen into the feeling. Conversely, we find that when people deepen into the feelings, the lower leg is more open, and uh, the feelings are more stable. Yeah. There's a, there is um, a change in the physical body itself in terms of the tone of the musculature there, but also there's a great deal of flow of fluidity of um, you know uh, you know water-like energy or air-like energy, and and that makes sense from the Eastern point of view. So, um, if, for example, we're working with um, feelings in the heart and people are having a great deal of difficulty with the feeling and feeling the feeling or tolerating the feeling, it makes a lot of sense to open up the legs. And when we do that, people come more into the feelings so they're able to tolerate them better and um, they, 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 they're able to get even more insight into what they feel. Mm-hmm. So, um, to do that, we need to work with the physical body there, the musculature there, the ligaments there, the bones there, through simple movement that almost any clinician can do. And then it also requires, um, you know, a, 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 you know, a belief and, a, 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 and a awareness of the flow of energy that can be felt as water or air. Now, it doesn't have to be the truth. What we're saying is that um, you know, whether there's something called a subtle body energy is not uh, the matter. There's a marvel, and when people follow that, they seem to get much better. So, um, like so, acupuncture. So, so, so I want to um, just, um, uh, again, slow down this a little bit. And so, uh, what I'm hearing, what I'm understanding as you're talking, is that sense that um, um, the effect of paying attention to this subtle body is going to actually be noticeable, 
um, in, for instance, a flow of, um, you know, the way emotions, the way feelings flow, the way the, uh, you know, uh, but it, you get to it um, through paying attention to the physicality of the body. Uh, so in some way, what you're doing could be seen by an outside observer as paying attention to the physicality of the body and something happens. But there is something more to it that you're doing it within the context of a narrative, of a, of a conceptualization, where uh, what you're doing is not just paying attention to the physical body, but uh, acting on the subtle body. Exactly, because the quality of it is different. And unless we also look for those qualities, we end up staying, tracking just body sensations. Mm-hmm. And feelings, for example, which are often the most important things that we work with in psychotherapy, the conventional wisdom is that almost all of the pathologies derive from the inability to feel and tolerate certain states, uh, often affective states. Not always, but most of the time. And Affective states are complex sensations on the physical body, of the physical level, and they flow of, you know, complex energy states at the subtle level. And the interaction of the two is a complex experience. And when people track individual sensations and tra- uh, sensation tracking systems, they often miss the forest for the trees. And that is one of the weaknesses of sensation tracking systems. So we have to be able to track a more and more system-wide experiences, either mm-hmm. at the level of sensations or at the level of, uh, at the level of energy, in order to make uh, psychological experiences more meaningful in tracking the body or energy. Right, right. So, so when you are uh, focused on tracking sensation, what could happen is you miss the forest for the tree. So... Um, how is it in in practice in a in a session in uh how is it that you can actually uh manage to track this flow that's more subtle yeah yeah now tracking sensations no individual sensations mm-hmm. is an important step mm-hmm. it's like learning the alphabet of the language of the body yeah heat and cold and and constriction and expansion in certain areas of the body just sensing that establishes a better uh, feedback loop between the brain and the body in order to regulate the body so that when we send more complex phenomena there, we're actually able to sense it and, and regulate the physiology while we're having these complex experiences. So for that reason, I don't even ask people what they're sensing. But for the simple reason that if they use the sensing, they go back to sensing heat and cold and constriction and expansion, tingling, etc., I first go to the psychological experience. I say, I'm looking at the psychological situation and I'm mirroring, exploring what feeling states there are uh, reasonably, that could be reasonably expected. If they don't already show them on their faces or already report them in their awareness, then I have them sense in the body those feeling states, where it is, how it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, and, and you know, the more intense the feeling, we know that from the work of Candace Bird, an emotional experience cascades through all the cells of the body in a matter of seconds. And the more the intense uh, the, an experience is, the more it involves the whole organism. 
And in therapy, people often report feelings from the heart and above the diaphragm, and they emote through the mouth. So very often it gets stuck above the diaphragm. And one way to work with the feeling state, to sense it more completely and to tolerate it, is to open up the body as much as possible, either through awareness or through movement or touch in, in different directions. And when we do that, you know, they have a full experience and right. a greater ability to tolerate the feeling. And, and, and if they don't go below the diaphragm, it's very hard to get into the unconscious. You know, the second chakra, for example, in Eastern psychology, the element, the element of water, is the source of the unconscious. It's where, it's, it's a source of regeneration as well as the gateway to the unconscious. So very often when people are just sensing the heart area, if they sense the heart area at all, um, when they're processing emotions, very often they process emotions created in the brain. And um, if they don't go below, then they might end up in this prolonged process of many associations on a conscious level, but they're not really getting into the deeper patterns and feelings that so, might be there in the unconscious that the psyche is resisting against. So, so just to, so, again, to um, slow down, slow down a little bit. Um, what I'm hearing is something about um, one is um, that you're not going to start with sensation, uh, but actually with something that's more all-encompassing, the feeling. Uh, yeah, the experience. The experience. Yeah, the psychological situation, the experience. And then where is it in the body? And then where is it in the body? And as you go yeah, where, where, it is, where is it not? Yeah. But as opposed, to, as opposed to starting from the sensation, because that would be maybe um, constricting it to, uh, to, to the trees. Yeah, it might be. And especially people who are especially good at tracking sensations get lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I'll give an example. No? I've had people who come to me who have done years of tracking sensations. And they have anxiety. And anxiety ultimately can be managed, one, if it's based on fear of something, is to feel the fear as much as possible and tolerate it and, in, and hold it so that it doesn't get projected on something else as cause on the outside. But as soon as they have a just sense of fear where it is and where it is not and whether they can move their arms so that it could also be felt in that area, people start tracking sensations like tingling here or walk there and it just go away from the psychological situation and the feeling, which is really a complex sensation across multiple senses, sense multiple systems in the body, they get away from by just tracking sensations in one area or the other. So uh, over time I've learned not to ask them to track um, you know, sensations. And in the trainings that I do, I'm of course teaching it only for experienced clinicians. I require that they are experienced clinicians who are working psychologically, who have been working psychologically for a long time. And I'm also requiring that they have adequate knowledge of the body through somatic experiencing or bioenergetics or vipassana or some system. They already know the body. So it's not unfamiliar for them to sense sensations and have connection to different parts of the body. So I want, I want to build on that. And if I were to ask them for sensations, they will get lost in the routine of what they normally do. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go, to, for example, I grieve. I just say, where is the grief in the body? And where is it not? And uh, and why don't you put your hand on the diaphragm? Because you tell me it's, it's, it's 
not below the diaphragm to see whether the diaphragm can open up and it could also flow into the into the rest of the body or move your neck so that it can also come into your face and um, and then or the arm so that it can it can, it can flow and mm-hmm. and it can open into the heart meridian and so on so this way I just avoid having people uh, having uh, people who are familiar with tracking sensation not track sensation. Right, so right, right. remain on the most important, difficult aspect of experience. So, so that, the, that you're talking about uh, the experience as a whole, and from there, um, you know, the then the curiosity about where it is, where it's not, and that's where the tracking takes place within this context. Yeah, and then the, the next step is, you know, how do we, one, is there a logic to the, the direction in which we, we expand the experience in the body? And and that is where uh, the uh, chakra theory, especially polarity therapy, can be very useful because polarity therapy identifies, for example, different zones of the physical body when which, when they're constricted, prevents the flow of the energy from moving through. For example, the heart chakra energy will not flow through the body. For example, if the large intestine area, kidney area, and the lower leg area are, are blocked in some way. So we find that then we, as we work with the chest area, through movement or awareness or, or touch, which is often an easier way to open them up and, and to sense them, we also work with touch or awareness, the intest, large intestine and kidney area and the lower leg area, and we find that people can much more easily come into feelings and the feelings are relevant to the situation they are in. And, and, um, and that way, uh, you know, we, we, there's a logic to the direction in which we expand. So, or, so for this... example, if somebody, if somebody has a lot of anxiety, then it makes a lot of sense to open, for example, uh, the arms or, or work at the knees for, from the same perspective. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't, you know that when we open the body up and pay attention to the psychological experience, the experience can get intense. But can we open it in such a way that it regulates the body more? And this is where, you know, the nervous, you know, this is where science can provide a great deal of um, help. And how do we open up the body in such a way that the autonomic nervous system can regulate better? Or... Um, how can we open up the body in such a way that it, so that the subtle body can regulate itself better and relate itself better to the physical body? So there is a logic too in, in the direction of which we expand the physical body. Right. But so, and so, it can't be so, simple enough. No? Otherwise, psychotherapists with different disciplines cannot quite uh, get into it, and it has to be also such that it's not so odd for them out of the frame of reference for them to work this way. So, so Raja, what you're talking about is uh, the context is that um, energy can get stuck. And um, what we're talking about is in order to get the energy flowing and that this flow actually allows for a process of regulation to take place. You have to have a roadmap of how, what the various circuits are and how the energy can flow and in which direction and what to do in order to, to facilitate this flow. I mean, exactly, and it has to be simple enough mm-hmm. so that practice, cl- cl- clinicians can use it across uh, different orientations. But it's not just the, um, it, at the level of the subtle body in, in, and its connection to the physical body. In the physical body itself, 
the more we can facilitate nervous system flows, back and forth nervous system flows in the autonomic nervous system, so that the information from the areas served by the autonomic nervous system, organs, glands, and blood vessels gets to the brain, and the information from brain gets to these areas so that the brain can regulate these areas better and use these areas to generate experiences better uh, and also along the somatic nervous system pathway so that the muscles can be sensed better but also regulated better or used to generate experiences, uh, you know, better. So how do we do that in the physical body itself in, across the three layers of the physical body? So there are certain simple ways to facilitate the flows, and that's what we've used actually with great effectiveness among tsunami survivors in India after the 2004 tsunami, Yes. on which we have written an article, but also now in a, in a three-year project in Sri Lanka, we are involved in uh, where we are training 150 counselors to treat post-traumatic stress disorder from the war, civil war of 30 years that just ended two years ago. Uh, we're using these simple roadmaps um, not necessarily working there with energy, but a subtle body. We're working there more with the physical body, how to facilitate flows so that, um, you know, when people have these terrible experiences, they, the most of the allergies are open in order to tolerate it so that one part of the physiology doesn't get too dysregulated and they can also tolerate it more and, and work it through. Yes, so restoring the regulation of the flow uh, in the physical body is a, is, yeah. is that gateway that you use. I'll give you an example. No? I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. After the tsunami, no, there was a 10-year-old boy who came to us and he said, at the end of the uh, work in the village, he said he didn't even know English. He took um, uh, the hands of a therapist and put her hand on his chest and said, tsunami, thump, thump, thump. You know, ah, like fear. So, and what we taught him to do is as simple as this. We said, yeah, it is scary, and uh, the body can get charged like a, uh, like an electric charge, and uh, the body can get hardened, and uh, fear and and and, uh, and charge gets all stuck in the chest, and, and it dysregulates the heart. So we teach you how to not go away from the fear, but find a way to make a bigger space for it so that, so that the body doesn't harden and your heart doesn't go bit of batter. And what we taught him was to put his hand on the chest and then also to move his left arm and the right arm and see, sense that, you know, sense that the, as those the areas opened up, he could feel more anxiety in his arms, more sensations in his arms. And the relief started to come to the chest area, and 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 then slowly it slowly spread to other areas. Not many areas, but you know it went a little bit into the legs. And we said, this is what you need to do when you hear of a tsunami rumor, or you remember the tsunami when your heart starts to do that. You put your hand on your heart, chest, and you move the arms and maybe the legs, and see how the fear can go to larger space in your body and not scare you so much in the heart that it, it becomes dysregulated. And we interviewed him, you know, four months, four weeks later and eight months later, and he was doing fine. He said that he had not had that symptom. He was able to manage. 
I hope that gives you an idea. Now that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful example. And in a way, what I'd like to do with you right now is do as if we we had, a, in a way, a video of it and do a, an instant replay. Uh, and since we don't have a video and we can't have a commentary on the video, maybe I'm going to suggest to people as they're listening to 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 when you're going to replay this a little bit in a in a short form to pay attention to the to the various layers that you're talking about. You know, there is something where the, the underlying concept is that sense of, yes, some experiences are really overwhelming, and uh, there is a way to deal with them that uh, you can actually uh, put them in a, in a larger container that they can be, you know, digested. Then, uh, yes, there was one thing there. Then the other part where you're actually explaining a method and paying attention, you know, to, to something about as you know, the little kid is taught to move his arm and to observe something. And there is the very, uh, you know, the simplicity of what it is that you're showing him so that it's something that can be carried through. So I'd like to invite you to, you know, maybe restate briefly this this example uh, so so we can hear it again, you know, within the context of seeing these many layers. Can I give you another example? Sure, sure. There's a woman, a young woman in the Netherlands who came to see me, and uh, her symptom was that from the age of seven, she's had panic attacks, with, with a slightly psychotic, uh, you know, auditory hallucination, um, you know, uh, let's say her name is Petra, and, um, and the voice said to a seven-year-old, from the abdomen, Petra, it's time for you to die, and she would have panic attacks. She was so scared that she wouldn't even tell her parents, the only child, until she was 10 years old, and then when she did, then they tried to get help, and, um, you know, psychoanalysis, psychiatry, you know, by the time she came to see me, she was quite depressed, she was on multiple medications, didn't have hope anything could change, she had dropped out of college, and she was sleeping about 12 to 13 hours a day, and um, so, you know, we... We immediately pieced together as a hypothesis that this abdominal uh, location might have to do with two postnatal surgeries she had as soon as she was born for some uh, for correcting some uh, some pre, uh, congenital uh, defects in the alimentary canal. And uh, a psychoanalyst had pointed it out as a source, so it was an easy hypothesis to come to. So I taught her how to prevent stress from accumulating to a point where it crosses over a threshold and leads to a panic attack. So we, I had a, uh, you know, talk about something that was stressful in her life, and we could then see how the physical body started to constrict around the abdomen, yeah? And then I had to put a hand there, and immediately, without going deeper into the feeling, uh, while being aware of it, also to move the legs a little bit so that we could not only open the physical body uh, to the ground, but also the energy, you know, from that area to flow into the legs. And uh, she was able to do that. And um, surprisingly, there was no fear. And then we had a sense how that actually reduced stress throughout the body, and that was the exercise, and I told her to do that every day as soon as she sensed a little bit of stress started to accumulate, especially in the abdomen. She came back a week later, sir, and you won't believe it, a lifelong serious 
constipation symptom where she could only eliminate once a week with difficulty had disappeared. And that, that we thought was fantastic because um, she could somehow find self-regulation by regulating a body, you know, in the direction where it made sense mm -hmm. to you know, expand it. And then, of course, in the second session, a week later, there was so much terror. It was excessive. You know, it was almost like uh, she was decompensating, but we knew what to do. What we did was we moved the arms, we moved the neck to move the energy up. We put the hand on the diaphragm. She did it so that it could be, it could go into the rest of the body. And then she said, I, my whole body is in fear. Then we want to give it a distance. I'm not afraid. My whole body is in fear. We somehow managed to do that at a high level of arousal and fear. And believe it or not, and we don't know how what would happen. She could have gone any, in any way. And uh, she stopped having panic attacks. Mm. She was able to come back from panic attacks. And uh, she was a determined soul. She had had enough of, uh, you know, being constrained in life. And and uh, and then, you know, I did one piece of work with her where I just had her hold grief and spread it and uh, tolerate it. And at that point, she said, you know, I have a lot of energy coming, and I keep kind of trying to eliminate it. Then I realized that's a life force, mm -hmm. reasserting itself. To cut the long story short, she's actually on her own. She finished college. You know, she has a great relationship, and um, she actually told me to write an article about it so that and she that I could use her name. She wanted everybody to know. So, I thought, but it's a combination there. We were not only opening the um, physical body up, and but we, in the process, we were also opening the energy body up. Yeah. And and then somehow in the combination, you know, she survived miraculously. And and and, and not only she's thriving. And uh, that's a dramatic example, but I can give you other examples too. And it doesn't surprise me actually. Yeah. It when we don't bring the body in, the energy in, and the regulating. Uh, uh, forces of each body and the interaction between the two, uh, two in psychology, we are processing from, you know, like neck up. Right. And all, at best we are processing from, you know, like diaphragm up. But it's really limited, you know, because all the chakras or the energy points that have to do with deep unconscious forces are in the pelvis or in, in the abdomen, you know. So, Unless those energies are brought in, the processes don't go deep. You know, they just then follow whatever psychological theoretical framework that the therapist happens to be using. So there's a there's a, the so, depth there's a depth that you're talking about, but there's also what strikes me is also a sense of um, the practicality and the and the connection. Um, that, for instance, in the example that you just mentioned with Petra, uh, what strikes me, what it brings up for me, is that sense of, uh, you know, we would all say that uh, when confronted with fear, uh, you know, we human beings have a tendency to kind of tighten, to close up, to... Uh, and and to to uh, you know that it's just uh, in a way the physiological reaction, but also a way to avoid that experience. And you are uh, showing her a simple way to actually open up so that there is flow uh, in a way that she can feel the fear but not be uh, paralyzed by it, and not discharge the energy. See, one of the 
oldest uh, rules in psychoanalysis is affect tolerance, building affect tolerance. And um, the field, the whole field is going away from it toward um, getting rid of affect, discharging energies and the like. And, you know, we cannot prevent from people from having traumas and difficult experiences, right? And if we can teach them that it's okay to experience these things, but in a, in a, in a, in a, in a wise way, who use the whole organism to, in a sense, regulate and tolerate an overwhelming experience. When people learn that, you know, they're also resilient in, in future situations. I believe a great deal in educating people about how these two bodies are related to the, to the psychology and uh, how the psychology needs support on the one hand and regulation on the other hand in the physical and subtle bodies. And, uh, you know, it has to be done in a simple way. You know, um, you know I had two PhDs. You know, my first PhD is in business, in, in marketing. You know? And the second PhD is in clinical psychology, you know, depth psychology, with the depth, depth of psychology emphasis. And I know that unless a system, an approach is taught in a simple way and it can be easily uh, adopted, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, for example, the earliest body psychotherapy systems suffered from that. You know, the, the, for a, for a, a non-body oriented psychotherapist, the, uh, the, the intervention seemed too outlandish and not, uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't clear how. Um, therefore, it never got off the ground. Whereas, if people understand, a psychoanalyst understands how they're working with emotions, they're working with difficult experiences, then we are only saying, hey, how are the difficult emotions are in the body, arise in the body, and how can you, if it's shut down, open it up without having to do anything out of the ordinary other than awareness or self-touch and movement, then it's easier for them to, you know, implement it without having to give up their primary orientation, whether they are or a, whether they are a Kleinian psychoanalyst or a Jungian psychoanalyst or a bioenergetic therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the missing link. That uh, that making that making that possible. Yeah. 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 And it's not that hard, and that's my experience. Because my experience with uh, tsunami survivors and war survivors in, uh, in India and Sri Lanka, respectively, or any guide, and if my experience with treating people, and in, 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 in I've talked in as many as sixteen countries, is any guide then I think uh, it, is, it is actually doable. And, um, and it's very exciting because the, the quantum physics is showing the way in terms, you know, it hasn't quite transferred over to the psychology uh, in terms of the deeper levels of the physical body. You could just call the subtle body just deeper levels of the physical body at the atomic level that we don't study because we can only see what we see in brain scans of the cells that can, that are you know can be microscopically or electronically observed, but we cannot um, you know observe the quarks and mm-hmm. the other uh, subatomic particles that in, in macrophysics you know you can do considerable ex, you know um, uh, you know um, uh, expense um, involving experiments deep under the ground only infer from observations of 
particles for a millionth of a second the existence of other particles. But what is uh, what we know from Eastern psychology is that it's subject to awareness. And as long as the, you know, psychology continues to believe, if it does, that awareness is a function of the physical brain at the gross level, then I think that they're missing a point. And hopefully, as the uh, as uh, the quantum physics findings from macrophysics filter over to the microphysics of the body, we will be more at ease with the subtle body as a quantum level body, or uh, even if it's not a separate body. Uh, the Eastern psychology says the physical body and a quantum level of the physical body, but there's also a subtle body which is also a quantum level body. It's of the same matter as the quantum level of the physical body. That's how they view it. But it doesn't matter. As psychologists, you know, we are uh, we are only interested in phenomenology, right? Mm-hmm. Whether phenomena brought under awareness helps people to heal. You know, whether uh, the model itself is a myth or a metaphor, as long as it helps, I think that we should seriously, you know, adopt it. As, as, you know, as, especially when we have great outcomes from it. Right, right, right. So in a way that also the similarity with quantum physics is... Uh, it's a. Uh, it, it can be looked at as something that's incredibly theoretical and abstract, um, but then from time to time uh, there's some experiments which actually show that there is a correspondence between the theory and what happens. And uh, in a sense, it's not necessarily a proof that it's absolute truth, but certainly an indication that it makes sense to use this narrative in order to uh, to work this way. Yeah, yeah, and you know even if. Scott- even if it's awareness is a, a function of the uh, matter, as science hypothesizes now, without any proof, uh, you know, if you have quantum level body, then it could be a, it could be a product of the quantum level body. Eastern psychology says it is not; it's beyond that. But it doesn't matter. No? I think if it's a, we can uh, suppose it's at the quantum level without violating the laws of science or the hypotheses, and still get a lot of benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Raja, that was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, is there anything you might want to add to conclude, or does it feel like the right place to end? I think it's a great place to end, and I really enjoyed the uh, interview, and, and I really thank you. Yeah, so I hope that in the in the next, uh, you know, in the years to come, uh, that psychology is more integrated. That is, um, regardless of the model people are using, whether they're using a developmental theory or or some other theory, um, it doesn't matter. Every, regardless of theory, they work with difficult experience. And the difficult experience is a function of the body, not just the brain, that we know. And and the question, you know, we can dispute uh, how many bodies there are, but um, as long as the whole body is brought into the equation uh, as a something that generates experience and can actually tolerate experience when you open it up, when it's blocked and, and, and shut down, then I think that we need to go in the direction of it. And uh, I think it's very exciting. And, and especially when the subtle body can also be brought in, or if not the subtle body, the quantum level of the physical body, if you want to look at that way, brought in. And that's the frontier that I'm really enjoying working in. And mm-hmm. I think it'll keep me busy for the rest of my life. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast.
see the website relationalimplicit.com. It's a function of the body, not just the brain, but that we know. And and the question is that we can dispute uh, how many bodies there are, but um, as long as the whole body is brought into the equation uh, as a something that generates experience and can actually tolerate experience when you open it up, when it's blocked and, and, and shut down, then I think that we need to go in the direction of it. And uh, I think it's very exciting. And, and especially when the subtle body can also be brought in, or if not the subtle body, the quantum level of the physical body, if you want to look at that things brought in. And that's the frontier that I'm really enjoying working in. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll keep me busy for the rest of my life. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.